Hi and welcome to Season 2 of Image Talks Fertility in partnership with Waterstone Clinic. My name is Dominique McMullen and I'm Image Media's Editorial Director and I'm delighted to be back for Season 2. Fertility is a deeply emotional and personal topic. I'm lucky enough to have two boys, age three and one, and it has been some journey and not always an easy one to get me here. In this series, I'm going to be talking to men and women about their fertility journeys. We're going to touch on the highs and the lows of their experiences and hopefully be informed and inspired by them. We'll also be hearing from Ireland's leading experts in fertility, many of whom come from Waterstone Clinic, our partners in this podcast. Waterstone Clinic is renowned for their exceptional patient care, and they're bringing the most advanced fertility services to patients across Ireland today. They've also been doing it for 20 years, so they really know what they're talking about. So, listener, get comfortable, maybe go get a notepad, and let's talk fertility. In this episode, we're talking about getting started on your fertility journey. Let's be real here. It is not an easy journey for everybody. It can feel very scary. You first of all need to make the decision to get started and just that can be difficult. And then once you do, you find yourself immersed in scientific jargon, in medical information and in God knows what else. So for many of you, we know it can feel overwhelming. That is why I am so delighted to be joined here today by the gorgeous Laura Hackett. Laura was with us on season one and you all loved her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Laura is a fertility nurse specialist at Waterstone Clinic and she is working on the ground with men and women on their journeys every day. So what she doesn't know isn't worth knowing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about those beginning stages of starting a family, um, how to get started, what to do. So Laura... If we start at the very beginning, what are those first steps? If you're thinking in your head, maybe it's time to get started. What should you do first? Yeah, so I think a big one and one we aren't really educated around is like just thinking about starting is a three month process minimum. Yeah. So things like folic acid, like lots of people say to me, you know, oh, I I never took it. I I didn't even think about it. Or do I still need to keep taking it? I've taken it. Yeah. But the idea is you want to build up your folic acid levels for three months before you conceive and the first three months of your pregnancy for the baby. Okay. So it's for, it reduces the risk of neural tube defects. So the idea behind that is like, you're going to start thinking about what am I eating? What am I drinking? You know, what is sort of the approach to my life and getting me mentally and physically ready to actually have a baby and a pregnancy? Some people will obviously try and get pregnant straight away. And they're the lucky few. Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid. <Big> yeah. <laughs> um, but in that, like we all should be approaching the very beginning of our fertility journey as our health, our mental health, and our, our potential baby's health. Yeah. And continue along that vein. Yeah. So like, you know, that sounds also scary. And I see loads of things online <laughs> and like, no alcohol, no this, no that. And yeah. it's like, no. Yeah, so talk to me about that. Because that is what you read, like lifestyle changes, you know, don't do this, don't do that, you know. And it does feel very overwhelming. Like you have to live this life of a nun before you even think about having a baby. Exactly. Does that have a big impact? Like it, it look, like anything, it 
if you're binge drinking, mm. it's going to have a negative impact. You know, yeah. whereas like moderation is key, like less yeah. than the, the recommended units. But you don't want to be constantly out like on the town and then trying to have a baby. Of course, that'll have a negative impact. Yeah. And not only will it have like, maybe it won't stop you from getting pregnant. But let's say you're not getting pregnant and you have been heavily drinking. Mm. First of all, how are you going to cope mentally? Mm. You know, and second of all, it's just not good for you or yeah. a potential baby or whatever. So it's like moderation is key. The obvious no's are no illicit drug use, <laughs> no cigarettes. You know, yeah. there are no's, but a good healthy balanced diet, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. You know, it's about getting your fruit, your vegetable, your colors on your plate, your proteins from whichever source you choose. Mm. Moderation in terms of alcohol, still live your life. You can have up to 200 milligrams of um, caffeine per day with no impact, which I know is a mm. big one for people. They're like afraid to have a cup of coffee. How much is 200 milligrams now? Is that so one it's cup? Like, let's say you have, no, like, yeah, it'd be like one cappuccino in a barista, let's okay. say, or maybe like two instant coffees, like a okay. Nescafe, whatever, okay. you know, um, not a paid sponsorship, <laughs> but like those sort of ones that are just like a spoon and yeah. add hot water, it'd be about yeah. 100. You can have your coffee. 100%. Tea does have it and fizzy drinks do too. So I'm always like, just be careful that you're not doing the coffee and then doing like four cans of Coke, like, yeah, for loads of reasons. Yes, <laughs> probably but too it, much. But it's general health advice. Like that's general what you would be yeah. doing. You know, technically, what you should be doing anyway. Really, exactly. Just living your life like that. Yeah, yeah. As, as sort of well as you can. Yeah, yeah. And and it's interesting. I think that you touch on mental health there and preparing yourself mentally as well. I think that's something that is not considered. It you know, is looking like after yourself, sacrificing women to these yeah. fake. I don't know what ideas it's like you know you don't have to be miserable to get pregnant no no and like because just because you're not getting pregnant doesn't mean it's something you're doing yeah and like that message is being missed all the time and every woman is like oh my god thank you and I'm like here are the studies you know it's not I'm not saying it as an opinion piece it's like yeah you don't have to be a teetotaler and you don't have to be miserable you don't have to be punishing yourself it's not no your fault yeah it's not your fault yeah and I think that it's so many women in just the way we work hold like everything mm-hmm. that it is our fault and later on I think we should touch on male factor infertility mm-hmm. yeah. which isn't something that seems to ever be considered um but let's get into that in a minute if we if we go back again so you're living your kind of <clears throat> healthy-ish lifestyle you're not feeling miserable you're minding your mental health you're taking folic acid. Interestingly, I didn't know it builds up like that. So you have to consistently be kind of taking it. Exactly. For yeah. like up to, to to the three months at least before you conceive. Now you can continue to take it yeah. and continue to hold it. But in order for it to build up in your serum blood Just results, let's say, you have to keep going. Mm. The other things that can be helpful is vitamin D levels, yeah. your B12s, your iron levels, like mm-hmm. all those kind of base things. So for some people, I would say like if you're at the very start of your journey, mm. You can go to your GP and talk about like, can I get a panel of like, you know, my full blood count, vitamin levels, like tell them what where you're at in your life's okay, journey. Yeah. And they're going to advise you as to what are the best, you know, things to have done. Yeah. Maybe you have a condition like maybe like polycystic ovarian yeah. syndrome and they yeah. might look at your blood sugars to make sure that there isn't like some insulin resistant things yeah. going on. So like your GP and your general health are the first Port of call. Interesting. When you're thinking of getting pregnant. Interesting. Mm. So you go to the GP and get a, a blood test, a I, general blood yeah. test. Yeah, like I would get yeah. like just to see where are you at with your health. Like okay, if yeah. you're, you know, you know, 
insulin resistant or this none of those things are going to be helpful to get pregnant but moreover when you are pregnant which yeah. is the big picture that we are working towards yeah but it doesn't feel like it when you're the woman in the position you yeah. know when you're in it you just want to get pregnant you're just now now you're just like oh, yeah I hope it's this month yeah essentially and like yeah. that's reasonable as the healthcare professionals it can be like are we healthy safe in a good place that yeah. when we do get pregnant um and hopefully it won't be a long journey that that you're ready for place. it yeah. yeah yeah and so so the tests I mean you could even get them when you're just literally just thinking about it yeah. there's no harm do they cost does it cost well if GP? you're doing just the GP ones it's just going to be the just GPs a regular GP cost visit like yeah. yeah yeah now there are other fertility related ones yeah which are a little bit different to that yeah but if you're asking me if you're at the very start and you're listening to this right now and you're like what am I going to do next go to the GP I would just make sure I'm fit and healthy and like ready to carry. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about anything else at that point. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, and we'll touch on the the other tests. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're kind of, if you're thinking, so say now you've been doing, maybe you've been trying for three months Mm -hmm. and you've had your test in the GP and they've given you the all okay and you're taking your folic acid and your vitamin D and all those great bits and nothing's happened after three months. Keep going for another three months? Yeah, so like... It it is one that we were absolutely sold a lie, yeah. and it's a, a a really devastating lie to to have been told like you know if you literally miss a day of your pill you're gonna get pregnant. It's like oh, it's like so exaggerated. I know. Maybe when you're 16, but really, but I'd isn't say, that the thing? It's the fear that's instilled in you from being a teenager, from being even in your 20s. Yeah. Don't get pregnant. So, yeah. A tiniest mistake one slip up and that's it you'll be pregnant not true no not true <laughs> not true <laughs> even when you're young it's like it would be a bigger slip up I would say and it's just there's a higher chance that okay, your contraception yeah. would fail yeah but yeah, it's yeah. still really important to take your contraception right if you're not trying to have a yeah. baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, a good lesson so yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're trying for three months so here's the thing the big lie we're told is that like you'll yeah. just get pregnant mm-hmm. If you take 100 couples, this is something I put out all the time. It's called assume your couple number 90. Okay. okay. It's like a a mental health strategy, but it's using the facts in your favor. Yeah. So it's like, if you have 100 couples, in order to get 20 pregnant, they'll do that in the first month. And they're the lucky 20%. Okay. When you get to month number six, this is now women with regular cycles and no underlying fertility issue that they know of. Yeah. When they get to cycle six, uh, like six months in, yeah. only 50% will be pregnant. Wow. And then when you get to 12 months, 90% will be pregnant. Wow. And that's normal fertility. Wow. Like that's totally fine. We wouldn't intervene unless you're over 35. So a whole year. Mm-hmm. That's mad. Mm-hmm. So what I would know is six months. When you get to the six months, then you start, you know, doing all the investigations and tests. But really, it's a whole year. Yeah, so... so 90% after a year. That's exactly. Amazing. So when you're over 35, the international yeah. recommendation no, is six months yeah. of, like, without conception, then you would, like, get yeah. help. You're not doing that because the statistics change or anything. You're doing it because... Number one, we want to help you as soon as possible Mm -hmm. and find if there's an underlying problem. Yeah. And number two, it's like, how many children do you want? Most people want more than one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, if you're 36 having your first baby, it's like 37 before you even start. And if there is a problem at 35, then we want to help get quicker. Okay. So it's not necessarily the percentages. It's actually the realistic day-to-day time moving thing. Yeah. So, but if you're under 35... 
You got lots of time. You've got you've got as long as there's nothing underlying that worries you. Yeah. You've got lots of time. You've got the 12 months yeah. for normal fertility like if you were on if you're a couple number 90 and mm. you are the 12th month that is con- considered still completely happen. normal fertility. Wow, that is so so good to know. And I think that will give a lot of hope to a lot of people. You know, the only thing I can imagine and I can even imagine myself when we were trying is that you you do get this feeling of like, oh, I just want it to happen. You know, when you're trying, it's so consuming yeah. that a whole year is a really long time to be like, it'll happen, it's fine, let's go again next month, you know. And you're having sex. Oh no, it's too much and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, Rory. It, yeah. <laughs> it is so long and so painful. It's a long time, And yeah. for all of us, well, for me anyway, I'm so used to like somewhat control over things that, yeah. you know, it, you're like oh it almost feels like you're failing and you have to like reset yeah, your yeah, mind yeah. and be like oh, this isn't a competition or yeah, a yeah you know and it's like what are we trying to create it's yeah like a person yeah, they're so complicated oh, and God, it's yeah. hard to to get pregnant and yeah. I think it mightn't be comforting the idea that it would take a year mm. but I think the comfort should be taken from the idea that if you're in month four yeah there's probably nothing wrong with you yeah yeah that is hugely comforting absolutely Do you know absolutely. it's there that's where the comfort is it's like okay I don't need to panic this doesn't mean I'm not going to have a baby one more thing before we go to to the next stage are you are there any apps that you recommend for tracking I know yeah, it's like a without... funny one so they looked at like all of the apps essentially out there like maybe shy one or two but it was like a mm. hundred and something apps wow mm. just that many and the reliability is not good oh really <laughs> no. so if you have this perfect cycle which very few I'm talking like in the one like one no. digit percentage no way. Then have a 28 day cycle I actually do have a 28 do you some people do for sure <laughs> but it's when they look at the big studies of like 20,000 people. It's uh, unusual. Yeah, like it fluctuates. Yeah. And yeah. most people would say it fluctuates by a few days or this or that. Yeah. Like normally. Yeah. But some people are like you and they're like. I'm like a clock. Bang mad. on 28 yeah. or bang on 30 or whatever. Yeah. Like they'll have their day. Um, but so those apps are, are sort of guessing based on your retrospective data entry. Yeah. So you have to fill it in all the time first and foremost. Fill it in all the time and if it fluctuates at all it's going to give you this bigger window of conception and then you're going to be trying for pretty much half the month. Yeah. (laughs) If it can't nail it. So it's like for me the apps are good. They definitely remind you when you got your period. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very helpful. Helpful yeah. Uh, And they can sort of make you think about your cycle but there are other things you can look for. So we know about our cycle and we're and we're and like all of that stuff the temperature taking it's interesting I I heard someone say that's a bit of a waste of time but not. I mean look. Depends on who you are and how your body is reacting. Everybody is different. Yeah. So it's about seeing what's right for you in your case. So it's like you know, don't throw everything out, but don't bring everything on. Mm. Just because you don't get this temperature change doesn't mean you're not ovulating. Yeah. What you want to check for that is seven days after the day you think you ovulate, yeah. you test your progesterone. Okay. And if it's over 29, you've probably ovulated in that month. Yeah. And how do you, you one of those ovulation a, sticks? You can use the ovulation sticks at time of ovulation and that'll tell you you're getting an LH surge. Yeah. But seven days later, what will happen is you'll get the surge of LH and it'll drop. And seven days later, your progesterone will have rose as high as it should rise, let's say. And over 29, which I often hear people like beat themselves up because they think like, 
oh it was only 40 it's like that's a sign that you probably ovulated in that month yeah so that's great so it's great yeah, yeah. it's great and where do you get those that would be again you could get it done in a fertility clinic so okay. like we take them or uh, you could go to your GP okay yeah great. it's a okay. standard blood test it's progesterone you just want to do it on the right day okay. and often you hear people say oh day 21 yeah and it's like not day 21 it's only day 21 if you've a perfect 28 day cycle yeah. like yourself okay um so you really need to get to know your, your cycle body. you know yeah. you need to know what you're doing mm-hmm. yeah so that would be months out before starting i would recommend just yeah. kind of get a feel for it yeah take note just recognize what's happening yeah which is good for everybody yeah anyway. yeah, yeah yeah exactly um so you go into into the clinic say you've been waiting six weeks if you're sorry six months <laughs> if you're over 35 and a year potentially if you're under 35 mm-hmm. you haven't been successful mm-hmm. so you head in to a clinic and you start talking to someone like yourself yeah so what is the first kind of port of call what's the first test what's the least expensive like I know mm-hmm. that this can be really expensive for people what's I know people talk about AMH which we want to talk about more about that test is that the first one that you do yeah so like I would recommend you get your full panel of hormones done okay first time in okay it's slightly more expensive than just getting an AMH mm-hmm. but it's a world more reassuring mm-hmm. and it's like a totally different level of information. Okay. So we would check up on things like the thyroid, are you rubella immune, all important things for pregnancy and say miscarriage rates and all of this, mm. your prolactin level. Um, so we look at these kind of glands, are they functioning well and normally? Yeah. But we also look at on day two, three or four mm-hmm. of your cycle, mm-hmm. your FSH, so follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone and estradiol. Okay. And what we're basically looking for there is how hard does your uh, pituitary gland have to work to make your ovary grow one follicle? Wow. And in that follicle is one egg. Mm. And wh- the harder that has to work, the harder the ovaries are working and the lower the ovarian reserve would be. Okay. So a lot of information there, right? Yeah. Okay. Pituitary gland. I am so fascinated newly by the pituitary (laughs) gland because we all, it's what controls so much. Nearly everything. Yeah. (laughs) And when you're exhausted or stressed or not eating properly or burnt out or working too hard, like so many of us are, Mm -hmm. it's your pituitary that is is the most, that suffers as a result. And you'll find things like increased prolactin levels when someone is very stressed but then they break it down in the lab to to like a micro level and they come back and they say actually it's okay 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 you know like so they say very stressed out probably just stressed out by the blood been taken or maybe just the fact that they're like a momentary stress yeah yeah like a like a time like a little like block of stress and then it'll pass so like the pituitary gland is so important the whole system is not just like down here yeah it's (laughs) It's like full body your whole body so the way ovulation works and like nobody properly explains this to people is it's something like you're gonna really you're you have your period so all your hormones are like at base level yeah. I'm going to sim- oversimplify it's start, it. It's like start it's like start. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so then you've got this feedback loop via your bloodstream, mm-hmm. let's say, that's kind of like, okay, 
we don't have any estrogen, we don't have any progesterone, we need to create estrogen and the way they're going to, I'm simplifying this now beyond whatever, but the way, yeah, 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 it's more complicated. Uh, Yeah, just in case, but the way um, it would work is something like follicle stimulating hormone is released Mm -hmm. to grow one of those follicles of the eggs available in that month, one would grow. That will cause a release of estrogen. Mm -hmm. That's a feedback mechanism up to your brain to say, we need more and more FSH is released, more and more FSH. So if you get your bloods done on Mm. day 10, like four days before you're due to ovulate in a 28 day cycle, your FSH will be scarily high. Yeah. It's not worth reading that result. Yeah. You need to do it day two, three or four. And we see how hard are the brain and the ovaries working to make one follicle grow. Interesting, yeah. And then if we're worried about like PCOS, we look at the LH, is it WFSH? So the value of that information... Huge. ...is massive across your whole life, but for sure in your fertility journey. Yeah. And it will change for all of us. Yeah. And all of us are eventually heading towards having no eggs in our ovaries. (laughs) The sad truth. You know, like, so it's it's something like (laughs) worth monitoring because it is, you know, it is coming. And it's like, when and how do we make sure we protect our chances of having our children? Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, which is the AMH you touched on, would be done usually then as well. And people tell me that AMH tests are actually quite falsely reassuring, that they don't necessarily give. And like you've said, they're not the bigger picture. They're very specific. Yeah. So uh, like for me, it's a blood fertility hormone is test. A, it's a blood hormone test. Yeah. But fertility is a jigsaw. Yeah. And there's no point in getting overly confident or overly negative on one yeah. test. You need to look at the big picture. You need a big picture. Mm. You need a big picture. If you've got a responsible team around you, they are going to say, okay, we'll keep calm. We're going to look at this and this and this. Yeah. We'll get a full picture. And we're also now, at the moment, only talking about the women. Yeah. <laughs> so there's another part. There's a whole, a whole other 50% of this equation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Important. Absolutely. So um, uh, the AMH is a blood test. It's yeah. so simple. It is one, if you're thinking, I might just keep an eye on my fertility, that's the one. Okay. Get that done. Okay. Again, we can't be overly confident or overly sort of negative around the results because... Yeah. The proof of fertility is in the trying. Yeah. If you could have an AMH of three and get pregnant first month each time. So what does an AMH of three mean? Are you talking about ovarian reserve? It's ovarian reserve and it's really poorly explained. Laura Hackett, (laughs) please help us understand. So you, you hear this thing of we're born with all our eggs. Yeah. And then they just have actually when we're born so in utero we have like yeah like a million eggs I say it halves at puberty it's gone again and you're left maybe like you know it depends everyone has a different sort of number because all of us have different ovarian potential let's say per month and at different times of our lives but essentially what the AMH is doing is it's picking up on the hormone released by the immature what will be egg cells let's say okay so in a month we were all told, like, you lose an egg a month. Yeah. It's not true at all. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's not true at all. Uh, the way it works is you have your AMH yeah. or your ovarian reserve worth of eggs per month. So that is like, if your AMH came back at 20, you'd have 20 immature eggs available in your ovaries in that month. One will grow for most. Some people randomly grow too, but most people, it's just one yeah. per month. 
and the other 19 are wasted. They're gone. They disappear, reabsorbed into the body. So it's not even, they're not even period. They're just, they don't even. They just, they don't, they don't do anything. They don't grow. They just reabsorbed into the body. It's just a cell. And then next month, 20 20 appear again. Wow. Yeah. So then as we go through our life, like it might be 20, an AMH of 20 at 30. My mind is blown. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Like no one explains this. And then it's like AMH 20 at 30 and then 35, it might be 15 and then 40, it might be six. Okay. So it can drop like like the number of eggs you have. No. And that's the meanest thing that anyone else, like when people are like, and what if it comes back at six? Do I have six cycles left? Yeah. No. (laughs) That's not it at all. (laughs) God, that's so fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Mm. When I started, I was like, we weren't even that aware of this training in university as midwives. Like it was, it's just... It's education we should all have. It's education we should all have. And like mm. what IVF essentially is, is we try to stimulate, let's say, 15 of those eggs so that you don't have waste. Yeah, okay. And then we give you a year's worth of chances. Then you have them all banked. In one go. Well, with IVF, say if you had 15 eggs, maybe 12 would fertilize. And by day five, you'd have like yeah. two or three embryos. Yeah. But that means you got your whole year worth of trying in one. So sometimes people yeah. say to me, I'm an age 20, I don't need IVF. And it's like, maybe, but you need to test him. You need to look at your other hormones. Yeah. They'll probably be fine. But you just need a big picture yeah. and not to go in on one. Yeah. But if you want a quick shot of like, where am I at? The it's a good, a good one. very, very first. Yeah. 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 Okay, so let's do the male factor infertility. Mm-hmm. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. So first off, like, I know this is a very sweeping statement and you probably won't be able to answer it, but like percentage-wise, ish. Oh no, it's 50-50. It, it's a 50-50. It's 50-50. Like, what? <laughs> I know. I know. And it's all, like, uh, of all of the people I know who are trying for a baby or who have gone in for fertility, kind of beginnings of fertility tests, it's always the woman saying, okay, you know, it must be X, it must be me. Do you never consider the man? No. Well, very rarely. It's it's bizarre. It is bizarre. Like, mm. it, But I, I, over the years, have come to the conclusion that it might just be that we Talk get pregnant. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's something like, that happens to we're us. We're not pregnant. Yeah. So it feels like all eyes are on us and then you put the eyes on yourself. Yeah. What's disappointing in that, obviously, is that men think it's weird if it's them yeah and it's, it's not. not yeah yeah that's a really good point it's you know, not it's, it's it's literally 50 50 it could be either of you it's just a toss-up whoever, whoever it is yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. this is like obviously a little bit controversial because it's an emotional time or whatever but mm. it's like you know a man would never kind of be like oh you have a low AMH and you need to go on this and you need to go on that and you no. need to go on the other but we do that to them so I'm yeah. always just like before I talk about male I think I should just caution that like it's not that they're doing something wrong either no of course it's like not. it's natural for yeah. a lot it's a natural variation yeah um and it might necessarily even if it were to be low mean that you could never conceive with your partner because mm. like we have a lot of the stories of tried for five years had IVF pregnant Bam. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it, there, there is something else to it and, yeah uh, but it's just if we come back with a result um which we will for like 
50% of the, the couples mm. they, that come through the clinic or the, at least the heterosexual couples come through the clinic, we will find that um, the men will have maybe low motility, yeah. which is like the movement of the sperm might be less than we'd expect or lower numbers than we'd expect. Mm-hmm. So not that there's, it's not an all or nothing. It's not necessarily that there's nothing or that it's perfect. Yeah. It's a variation. Of it's like any of these things, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's just a million shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, Kind of talking about like who has the problem or not the problem. I know the wrong word. Yeah, but it's kind of family and medical history. Those things are all presumably really important. So important. Yeah. So important. So that's why I say. So your medical history. I have these funny cycles. They change. They do this. They they do that. Or my mom went into menopause at forty-one. Or you know. I I wouldn't be overly confident either just because my mom had a baby at 45 just to put that out there because sometimes that worries me that I'm like oh but that's not a guarantee it's just like reassuring yeah put it that way yeah um but but things like when you know that there was a problem early on or my sister is in menopause at 38 or whatever Mm. it's definitely worth getting checked out yeah there's a big picture around fertility around health family genetics everything that Mm. has to be considered Mm. it's the same with men like they may have had i don't know like mumps or an operation on their mm, testicle as a child yeah and nobody told their parents it's important actually to consider your fer- son's fertility we had that in season one we had a, a oh a, yes a, a beautiful yeah. guest yeah and her yeah. husband had had surgery and when he was tiny baby and they hadn't thought to tell him and it had massively affected his fertility yeah it's a, it's i do i really feel for men in that they're not it's not considered in the same way that you know for them fertility is something that's just presumed and they get on with it and i think they stress out a lot and put mm. a lot of guilt on themselves yeah even before they know what the result is so yeah. like a lot of my friends let's say would say to me you know what we're nervous well we do mm. amh semen analysis it seems obvious to me it's like kind of know where you're at eggs wise that you have time to mm-hmm. tr- whatever and if he's anxious or if you're anxious or whatever semen analysis because that part's so important too yeah. you know yeah and yeah. it's often people go to their doctor and they get all these things checked and they never think yeah that's, you know we're stressing out let's to do. get checked each yeah. of us yeah yeah it's, you know it's it's so frightening i think for people the thought of even coming into these clinics and and you know it's something so like i said at the beginning so deeply kind of personal about it that it is scary but and i know like talking to you i know how lovely you all are and how easy you make this situation <laughs> so it is just do the first thing just take the step but it's like yeah do, do you think uh, I'd be interested it's like do you think that somewhere along the way on like TV programs and movies yeah it's fertility clinics became a really scary thing or yeah. something yeah I'm like not... white car doors and kind of I always imagine like quite nasty looking doctors yeah I know which I know isn't true like and really kind of scary clinical equipment. and I know yeah and, and then like yeah, it's it's just it's like that impression, and then it's this really bad rep that we get that like we're robbing people's money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's really unfortunate. And I yeah. see it in movies and think, God, how unfair is that? Yeah, no, and you know, and like I said, when you when you do meet people like you who really just are trying to help people, you know, and it is expensive. And listen, 
we are in a terrible situation in mm-hmm. Ireland in that people aren't given the help that they should be given and that they are given in other, other countries. But we could do a whole podcast just on well, that. Well, I was at the Women's Health Conference and like that was something that came up. And mm. there are amazing women in Ireland pushing this forward. Mm. And like we are 100% behind it. Mm. The fact that the World Health Organization calls infertility a disease and we don't offer treatment for it terrifying yeah and the more pressure we can put on just to put it out there any sort of representation absolutely absolutely that's like my political rant yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but I do I feel like you know they've made fertility clinics like a scary place yeah when actually we make like so many families happen just Mm. helping couples Mm. along their journey Mm. and we aim obviously and hope that we make it Mm. as lovely and as like comfortable not scary not scary yeah not scary and informative so people feel like they're in control of yeah what their yeah what their bodies are doing yeah 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 so if the kind of first treatments that you might get say you've gotten your blood tests now I know it depends on who you are that there's so many different types of things Mm -hmm. that can happen but your kind of basic treatments that might help and kind of kickstart conceiving yeah, so um, you see, it really depends on what the, the what the problem is or yeah, what the, the what underlying the issue factor is. might yeah. be. Um, and sometimes, and this is the really hurtful one, the unexplained. Oh God, yeah, it's so painful because we feel like there should be an answer. Yeah, and there isn't always. And in medicine, there in any medicine, yeah. it's like why me? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's so unfair. And like sometimes mm. you can say, oh well, these are the risk factors, but like still why them though yeah if it's not everyone why me it's it is quite cruel to be unexplained absolutely but yeah for some it'll be so simple mm-hmm. cheap easy effective super successful love that things like yeah like ovulation induction where they okay, might use a yeah. tablet that might grow a follicle or maybe two follicles and we trigger ovulation and you have intercourse at the right time so that's just it so taking it taking a pill yeah yeah for a few days only amazing yeah yeah Yeah. and an injection just to make the egg definitely release amazing and like a few cycles of that so many people will conceive if it's appropriate to their situation yeah obviously um there are other things to be honest even like just having the investigations and like knowing learning more about it so Mm. sometimes you don't even need to get as far as the clinic door you can just get pregnant easier by just learning all about these things and taking stress off yourself by getting your AMH or whatever or his semen analysis so that you know Mm -hmm. okay in the next few months we're in like a normal spot Mm. to try get pregnant yeah um then there's things like IUI which are maximizing every part of natural conception yeah say yeah so So talk about IUI what I know I know but just for the listener who might never never have heard of it yeah so it's intrauterine insemination so it's a lot of the time that is like AI is what you'll see it on like American Mm -hmm. artificial insemination you'll see it on American um, TV shows but it's basically where we would either let you have a natural cycle Mm -hmm. give you one of those tablets or some will use a low dose of that FSH mm-hmm. to grow one or two follicles. Mm-hmm. And around day like 10, 12, 14, depends on how long your natural cycles are. Um, we would do an internal scan, see mm-hmm. when the follicle is ready. When it is big enough that it should have a mature egg in it, we trigger ovulation. And then we will wash and purify the sperm and we put it through the cervix inside the uterus so it literally just has to swim up and out into the tubes it's the best part of the semen sample that will be put in there and it just 
maximizes like timing all the bits everything yeah so the semen's getting a good chance the egg's getting yeah. a chance it's all in the right place you're pushing them together and yeah saying, so you don't know prosper. Do, like what happens in the tube after that because yeah. that's where the sperm and egg meet you're leaving them to it but we have gotten them as close to each other yeah. at the perfect time and hope that that's yeah. the, the little bit of success it is very successful yeah you know for a natural conceiving cycle yeah um it's more expensive obviously because there's more to do but it's yeah it's those more mild things i think people think they're going to walk into a clinic and be told ivf or ICSI. yeah which is which is great but further down the line and not necessarily for everybody yeah and funny it's, it's just so interesting to me because the feedback i get is like from The majority of people, obviously it's different for everyone and it's different emotionally what you're going through, but a lot of people are like, wow, the negative thoughts and connotations around IVF, I thought this was going to be like hell on earth. Yeah. And it wasn't at all. Yeah. And like, I hope that's a sign that we're doing a good job, but. Yeah. It's uh, anyone I know who's been through it. There's only one kind of couple I know who've been through it that found it really difficult, but it really does depend on who you are. And how long you're trying and how hard it is and like where you're at in your life. It's, and the diagnosis you get. Yeah. It has to play a part. Yeah. And the the technology has come on, if that's the right word so much my sister was born through IVF and my mum was trying for like a year with her and it was it was awful like yeah you know obviously I wasn't there (laughs) but you know she's told me and like really the hormones then were much more you know and they were trying to figure it out like you know it's it's like it and even things like you know the drugs themselves like the smaller needles now and the, yeah. like it's the thoughtfulness around what someone's actually going yeah, through by yeah, I yeah. suppose everybody that's that's trying to facilitate it is, mm. is there now that probably wasn't there unfortunately for no. your mom <laughs> anyway. like this is what we can do my beautiful sister was born nonetheless I'm still the favorite <laughs> Um, so there's like there's kind of outside of the norm you've touched on people with endometriosis or polycystic mm-hmm. ovary syndrome we might have to consider slightly different routes what about lgbtqi plus families they might have to consider something different as well should they be taking different first steps or what should they be yeah, doing well i suppose well, absolutely if you're talking about like a same-sex female couple yeah whoever is thinking of carrying you have to continue with that same advice the around same, yeah you know your folic acid, your vitamins, just making yeah. sure you're in good health and in a good place to conceive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oftentimes, say for female couples, they'll come in and they'll both get tested and they'll see and they might consider yeah. doing things together or like one person will carry one time and another. So it's lovely. Like so it is nice. so nice. Yeah. Wish I had a wife to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they are, they, in, then in that case, say they'll come, we'll check, we'll make sure tubes are open. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a very mild treatment. Mm-hmm. Again, it'll depend on factor, you know, factors. Of course. That are endless. Um, but usually it'll be a more mild treatment. For those families, for the, the, the female um, couples, I will say that your chances of success are much higher because mm. you've never actually actually tried to conceive so once you get sperm mm. the chances are obviously much better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it might be something like the IUI that that will do it Lovely, yeah. um, uh, and basically you just have to get worked up so we want to make sure that we don't match for any donor in any situation mm-hmm. so whether we're using you know a male couple's sperm 
with an egg now we don't do surrogacy in Ireland at the moment know, yeah, but there is a bill coming in a different that. thing so, as well yeah fingers um, crossed so it's a bit more complicated for them but we can support obviously as mm-hmm. best we can um, uh, but for ma- for female couples um, because we can get donor sperm in we have a whole donor sperm team uh, because heterosexual couples use donor sperm as well yeah. in certain situations and it's quite normal um so in that case we just want to match when we have donors that there isn't anything underlying like cystic fibrosis we don't okay. want to match two carriers together yeah. so we would just pick from the appropriate samples that are available yeah yes. it's so much there to yeah think about. it's it's cool it's easy you'll get like options to look at and all that yeah. and you to walk through it step by step but it's so wonderful I just think it's so brilliant that like so many different types of families can just have their dream you know oh yeah what they choose to do it was I think I'm nearly 10 years with the Waterstone Clinic mm. and like the day I went in there we were just this was just normal for us Mm. and then it was like years later that I learned that maybe we were the only ones doing it or maybe one of like a couple like it wasn't madness it wasn't so it's been it's so amazing like yeah we make families for all families and it's just so lovely it's a great thing to be doing okay so my last big question (laughs) so if there was one thing that you wish people knew before starting out in their journey if there's someone listening now what is the one piece of information that you want them to come away with today? Okay. Big question. It's a huge question because I think it's really, really important that you are not like judging yourself harshly Mm. and making this tough time even tougher. Mm. Like if there's one thing I would want for people, it's like find a reliable source of information. Mm. If you are an anxious person, maybe going and having a fertility check is the right move before you even start. Mm. You know, just to know that, okay, there's nothing, you know, there's no operation I need. There's no this, there's no that. And when I try, I'm in a good place and he's in a good place and whatever. Okay, so there is obviously that. But I think the number one bit is be careful what's being sold to you. Be careful how much you're beating yourself up. Mm. Be careful how hard you make this journey either that will be quick and it's unnecessary to be hard or that will be a hard journey for some Mm. and you start beating yourself up way too soon Mm. if you're worried get checked Mm. and just figure out where you're at yeah if you're you know maybe just not getting there as quickly as you can go back look at things like you know okay couple number 90 look at the evidence look at the research Mm. know that like okay maybe he has a low sperm count that's okay you know as in people do conceive and they're going to help us get pregnant Mm. and just remember that in the majority of cases for fertility there is a couple there Mm. and just to check in with each other and try to find yourselves in it because it is painfully hard and Mm. stressful Mm. you both will be stressed about different things at different times you might even be thinking about what the other is going through and it's come back together be a couple do not beat yourselves up and then find if you need some support we're 100% here for you Mm, it's so nice it's beautiful and I think that's a really good message to leave it on today I love the 90th the 90th couple I think that's really important mind yourself be together in it and it's gonna be okay it will be okay it's gonna be okay yeah yeah it will be okay it might be hard but it will be okay yeah I also wish everybody that listens to this all the love and luck yeah in the world and I hope that your journey isn't hard or difficult or Mm. or at least that you're supported throughout it 
Beautiful. Thank Sorry. you. Thank you, of course, to our partners, Waterstone Clinic, and to the beautiful <laughs> Laura for all our information and advice. And most importantly, thank you to you for listening today. The very very best of luck as Laura has said to you out there if you're about to take those first steps and we will chat to you next month.